right, we're just going to fight today. We're going to debate a lot of stuff, and it's going to be awesome. Welcome to the show, Fantasy Baseball time here. Email us at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Half the show is going to be debates. Half the show, maybe a little bit less, is going to be mailbag. We'll get to your questions. I'm Adam Azer. We've got Chris Towers in today. Hello, Chris. Hi. Oh, Chris, every time. What's up, Adam? <laughs> not much, not much. So Heath Cummings, but welcome back. How was your vacation? I cannot tell you how happy I am to be here. It feels like it's been forever since I've been on a fantasy baseball podcast. And just to be honest, I think I can speak freely here. The host of the fantasy football podcast is such a jerk. <laughs> it's nice to be here with you guys. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It is such a different tone. Uh, hosting the, the, the two different podcasts. So yes, no, I will not be a jerk today, although I am making you all fight about rankings. And Scott, I did, I did request that somebody go check on you last night. Nobody did. Uh, Nobody did. No, no, I had, I had no visitors, no, no consolation at my doorstep. Wait, Scott went to Georgia. He's a, he's a bulldog. Mm-hmm. We podcasted a day after the Super Bowl. I believe yeah. last year, and it was huh? like the I've never heard you in a state like that. You seem right. to be okay right now. Well, I've been conditioned, Adam. I guess like there there is no lower point as a sports fan than last year's Super Bowl. So this, I mean, so 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 Scott's team loses a bowl game, and everyone's worried about him. But when FIU loses the Bad Boy Mowers <laughs> Gasparilla Bowl because their quarterback got hurt four plays into the game, nary a peep. From my supposed friends, I see how it is. And yeah, and I just, I don't, yeah. I don't no, I get it. Really, know like, I, I'm sorry that your team Scott lost Scott, but it was a consolation game. That's like, true. We'd already determined the national champion. Yeah, it's UCF. Clearly, right? He was all about this UCF thing. Scott, I'm sorry. That was, um, I, I mean, obviously, I was rooting against Alabama. Yeah, I, I like, you know, I'm not, I don't really have anything against them, but I'm tired of seeing them win. And yeah, I, you know, sucks. like, like it's, 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 it's okay. It's it's better this way. You know, you get thinking like no, maybe not. like maybe maybe this is going to happen and why it's would, like what do I do? Like why what, would something I don't know what good to do with my happen. hands. Like right. It's just you know, I'm I'm comfortable in this space as of sports fandom where often good, never the best. And uh you know what? Whatever. All right, we'll wrap it up. I just want to know what like what did you do? What was your reaction? Uh, well, did you curse? I had to you, you never curse. My reaction a little, like the, my biggest reactions, my biggest reactions were when Alabama missed the field goal at the end of regulation, yeah. and you know I, I was already defeated at that point, so it was like he missed it, he missed it. But you know I was kind of having to keep the volume down because a baby who never sleeps was actually sleeping in the next room. Okay, uh, so there was that, and then it, right before the final play, Georgia got. The yeah, sack, sack, like a 15-yard loss yeah. on the sack, putting them out of field goal range, and it's like, it's like, oh, all they have to do is stop them three times, and this is over. This this could actually happen. Oh, oh, wait, never mind. Uh, yeah. Like it was like it went from this extreme high to, oh, it's over. Just like it was like quick. That. Yeah, it was quick. Yeah. Uh, so did you uh did you curse at all? Did you like utter any profanity? No. No, I mean Scott doesn't curse. Yeah, I know. But if anything would make someone curse, it would be that that play. All right. <sighs> no, maybe it next was, time. Uh, 
Like it, it was just like you know, just let them make the like, just make the field goal. Then you know, like I, I was already prepared for it. Then yeah. you feel like when they miss the field goal, it's like okay, maybe maybe this is fated to happen. Like maybe, eh, yeah. I don't know. Well, look, I'm glad you're in. There's no chance I would have been at work the next day if that had happened. <laughs> hey, sir, I wouldn't worry about that. Hey, come on. We're making progress. We're in the Orange Bowl. People actually did watch our bowl game. So, uh, just one quick news item. The Blue Jays acquired down Hervis Salarte from the Padres. He had a pretty good 2016 season. He had an 808 OPS in 109 games. He was better at home, or better on the road. And, uh, goes to a better park now. But coming off a bad season, Salarte had a 730 OPS, batted 255. 18 home runs in 128 games. Not terrible. Uh, what, uh, what is the value of Jan Hervis Salarte with the Blue Jays now? Uh, I, I feel like it could go up just because of lineup support and venue change, uh, but there is possibly a playing time crunch there that (laughs) didn't exist in San Diego. Devin Travis is hurt all the time, so I, you know, it's, it's hard to know exactly how much he's going to interfere with Salarte's playing time. Either one of them could potentially play some left field. Because right so, now the Blue Jays only have Steve Pierce slotted there. Slarte can play pretty much anywhere. Yeah. They played 24 games at shortstop last year, 18 at third base, or 22 at third base, 79 at second. So They have too many players right now. They, I, I feel like the Josh Donaldson trade is coming. Because no. Yeah, no. I, they, they like, they've got too many players. As, as, as injury prone as Tulo and Travis are up the middle, but like they, they needed a player like this. I don't think the Donaldson trade's coming. I could be wrong, but I, I feel like this was a less of a you know a gentle a gentle um, transition to a lesser player at the position than just we are still trying to compete here. So let's make our team better. Okay. So you think Solarte is a utility player until someone gets hurt? I mean, he's a super utility player. He's an everyday player who will play a lot of places. Uh, so does that make Solarte draftable in a you know middle infield league? He was, he already was. Yeah, okay. Uh, this hurts, drafted? I think, for now, unless the trade happens, in my opinion. Alright. Alright, well, enough about him. So, let's do some make or break. I'm gonna give you some players and where they went in the Roto draft that we did a few weeks ago, and you tell me if they're more likely to make or break your team. But here's the twist. So I'm, so I'm devilish today. Okay. So, is that a word? Devilish? Yes. Okay, good. That's me. Mm-hmm. Um, one of you is going to have to take the make side, and one of you is going to have to take the break side. No matter what you actually believe, and then mental the third, exercise. Yeah, now the third you're person. Give, you're gonna give Scott a headache. You know, I used to write my college papers. I would take the side that I would always take the side that I didn't feel like many people were going to take. I would write other people's papers for money. Oh goodness, is that true? Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. He is academically dishonest. I would. I would make fun of you for that, except I wrote someone's paper to impress a girl one time. (laughs) And uh, I may have worked. I'm not sure. So, all right. So one of you has to take the make side, one the break side, and the other can decide who made the better argument. And then we can all talk about how we really feel. Bryce Harper, seventh overall. Bryce Harper was the number 18 outfielder in points, number 13 in Roto last year. The year before that, he was number 6 in points, number 16 in Roto. The year before that, he was number 1 in points in Roto. So Bryce Harper, make or break at number 7 overall. Heath, make the case for Harper as a make player, making your roster. 
Um, he could be the best player in fantasy this year. If he just stays healthy, if everything goes right, he is the best hitter in baseball. He may lead baseball in home runs. He may lead baseball in runs. He may lead baseball in just about every category except for stolen bases. Okay, Scott, break. He's going to break your team. Make the argument. Did you see what happened in 2016, Adam? Like he had this neck back thing going on, shoulder thing. All sorts of things that he was trying to play through and it was, it was a disaster. And, and then, you know, what was it, 2014? He didn't, he couldn't even play through that injury. There have been, he is a player who plays with an all out style that invites injuries and, um, playing through those injuries doesn't always seem to be a good thing for him. So, uh, you know, he's as, he's as good as Trout at his best, I think, but, he uh, he has a lot more downside attached to him. All right, that's Bryce Harper, seventh overall. Chris Towers, who made the better case, Judge Towers? Uh, Scott's heart wasn't in it, and you can <laughs> tell that from the beginning. Yeah, I just uh, look. How do you make the case against Bryce Harper without bringing up the fact that he played 111 games last season? Yeah, Scott, you really like that. Bury the lead. You mentioned the injuries, but this is a guy who has played 150 games exactly one time in his career. He played 147 in 2016 and wasn't that good. He's played less than 123 out of his six seasons. He's injury prone. He can't stay healthy. Now that is essentially a case you made, but <laughs> the case for him over the last three seasons, he's hit 296 and his 162 game pace is 38 homers. 118 runs, 108 RBI, 13 stolen bases. Bryce Harper at number seven might be a discount. Uh, so do we all think at the end of the day that Bryce Harper is more likely to make your team than break your team at number seven overall? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think right. Chris just argued with himself, though. Yeah, that he kind of did. That was something to behold. <laughs> he felt well, left out. He didn't have anybody to argue with, so he <laughs> yeah. had to like, uh, not argue. All right, the next guy, we're going to let Scott make the case. For Cody Bellinger with the third pick of round three, 26th overall in this Roto League. Cody Bellinger, 26th overall. Scott, you're going to make the case for Bellinger. Chris, you're going to make the case against. And then the honorable judge, Heath Cummings, will decide. This is your boy, Scott, Cody Bellinger. Yeah, I don't know why it's specifically my boy. I mean, I, I feel like the numbers kind of speak for themselves. And and more uh, more to the point uh the the batted ball tendencies back them up he has the perfect combination of um fly ball tendencies hard hit tendencies pull tendencies he is going to be a monster power hitter for a long time to come and unlike you know the rookie from the other league Aaron Judge Bellinger made some improvements with the strikeouts over the course of the season it wasn't nearly as bad in the end so you're getting him relative to Judge uh much later and you know 3.58 points per game for Bellinger last year, 3.44 for four for Jose Abreu. I don't think you're taking Abreu much later than the third pick of round three either. Chris Towers, he's going to break your team. Tell me why, Cody Bellinger. Because in the third, with the third pick of the third round, you mentioned Jose Abreu. That's a really good example of someone who's unbelievably safe. He may not have huge upside, but if you compare him to Anthony Rizzo over the last five seasons, he's basically been the same guy. And Anthony Rizzo goes two rounds ahead of him. Cody Bellinger, look, he had a really nice rookie season. 
Are we sure he can hit lefties? He did a good job of it last season, but he's a young left-handed power hitter who strikes out a lot. There's a chance that that strikeout rate buries him. Uh, no, nah, he's, he's gonna make. It. Scott wins. Good. He's he's reaching. <laughs> you could tell who doesn't actually believe what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but no, he did struggle against. The, no, he didn't struggle cases, against lefties. He was great against lefties. I'm sorry. Um, it's one season. Yeah, that's it, that's the case against right. Is and that, sophomore slumps happen. Sophomore slump. Exactly. Leagues adjust. Yeah. Right. It's it's one season. The minor league track record doesn't back this up. The scouting reports do, but he wasn't a great hitter in the minors. He was just a pretty good one. Uh, there's a chance he just had a really good season. Like, well, there's a chance we just saw the best season of Cody Ballinger's life. What, what do we think about what him? we've said of Aaron Judge. 26th overall, which is like six spots ahead of where Abreu went in this draft. More likely to make or break at 26 overall, Bellinger. Make. I think I think you're probably paying for the ceiling at first base there. I would agree with that. That's the argument you should have made. You would have won. <laughs> All right. Next up, Heath uh, will be against Alex Bregman with the 29th <sighs> overall pick. And Chris will be making the case for Alex Bregman to make your team. Sixth pick of round three, 29th overall. Alex Bregman, go, Chris. I'm making the case that he will make your team. Okay, we're talking about – look, Cody Ballinger goes in the 26th round. We're talking about paying for production but also paying for upside with Cody Ballinger. Wait, you what? Talk about 26 overall, not 26th round. 26th overall. You are fired. Yes. <laughs> Alex Bregman's 29th overall. Yes. You're talking about paying for, for upside. Alex Bregman's got a ton of upside. He had a bad season last year. And finished with 19 homers, 71 RBI, 88 runs scored, 17 steals. That offense might be even better next season with all the young guys still developing. And we saw how good Alex Bregman was in the second half of the season. He's a shortstop. We know how hard it is to find elite production at that position. There's 30-25 upside with Alex Bregman if everything clicks this season. You don't want to pay for the Jose Abreu types. You know what you're going to get from them, and it's pretty good. You want to pay for the guys who have a chance to break into that elite top five, and Alex Bregman has that potential. Okay, yeah, he was the number three shortstop in points, number four in Roto. So, Heath, why would Alex Bregman break your team if you took him 29th overall? Well, it's going to be really tough when uh, halfway through June – you're in last in average and struggling in other categories because your shortstop's killing you and you're trying to find somebody else to see if you could start a middle infielder over him. He's making up a scenario. Why? Why would he because, no, you? because he repeats what he did at the start of 2016 uh, okay. and, or 17 and what he did when he first came up to the majors in 2016. He's a chronically slow starter that's going to put you in a hole in Roto that you can't dig out of. He also didn't finish very well last season. He's bad. I, I yeah. um and the postseason now. Yeah, I don't. I don't and, count that. So was Bellinger. I like. Nobody it. made that argument. I like Alex Bregman a lot. The third round. That that's the case. That's really? the thing. Right. Twenty ninth overall is crazy for Alex Bregman. Hey, you're what are you? You're the worst lawyer ever, Chris. You're supposed to be backing <laughs> him up. All right, Scott. Uh, you who, know what? I um. This is in a roto league. Yeah. I actually have Bellinger. Oh, sorry. I'm looking at last year's ring. It'll take a second to pick up. I, I think I think Chris won the argument, um, and I just wanted to point this out for Bellinger. He is eligible at third base and shortstop. My top shortstop, Bregman. 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 Yeah. Uh, yes, Bregman. 
Sorry. My my top shortstop is Carlos Correa, who averaged three point eight fantasy points per game last year. My top third baseman is Nolan Arenado, who averaged three point eight fantasy points per game last year. From July fourth on last year, Alex Bregman averaged three point seven fantasy yeah. points. What happened per game. on July fourth? Yeah, it's game. Independence Day, Chris. When it started. Mm-hmm. Now, Fireworks. Yeah, like yeah. that. He also maybe. Go ahead. And I'm. I'm gonna take the other side now because yeah. I don't believe in Alex Bregman. Yeah, Chris thinks I won the argument. <laughs> in the 29, I just I I think again you're paying for ceiling here, and this is what happens in these early roto people in these early mock drafts. People plant their flag. I want to be the Alex Bregman guy, so I'm gonna go reach for him at a place where nobody else is going to get him. I we also, haven't seen elite production from Alex Bregman. Well, I we've think seen we, I a disagree. good. We've seen a good stretch. We for a shortstop, we have seen the production. Seasons are more predictive than half season. Yes, but he's now also say, he's also a twenty three year old. Sure, you can say a young player is moving so, forward, except that he got to the postseason and stunk. Do you okay, like him better than Lindor? Like two weeks. Do I like him better than who? Lindor. No. No, I mean, well, hold on. Lindor's proven elite. I mean, it's well, that's had, what I, like Lindor's a third no, round. But there is no there is no elite pick. hitter you can draft in the third rounds. Like the the, the elite hitters right. are gone by the end of round two. So right. you know you're looking at potential elite hitters, and I don't know that I have them as high as as um. I'm trying to I'm trying I also to, find, to point like out. I have so many spreadsheets here. It's hard to find the right one. I, I want to figure point out exactly. You, you dismiss the postseason, which is 78 plate appearances, and that's fine. But that's 20% of what you're saying represents it's, the Alex Bregman who's worth drafting in the third round. He faced so, the Dodgers, the yeah. Yankees, and who the Red Sox. I mean, he faced Chris Sale. He faced Severino, Tanaka. Everybody's faced, hitting home runs. Right. Okay, so here we go. I have Bregman 39th in Roto, so a little lower than this. He's more of a fourth rounder. Um, these are the hitters I have after him. And you guys just tell me which ones you want more. Understanding that Bregman is a shortstop and these other guys are not. These are the hitters I have right after him. Tommy Pham, Reese Hoskins, D. Gordon, Nelson Cruz, Edwin Encarnacion. Those are guys you have ahead, him ahead of? Yes. In Roto, I'd rather have D. Gordon. Yes. I'd rather have Nelson Cruz. But he's DH only. Cruz. I'd probably rather have Edwin Encarnacion. I'd rather pay for guys who I know can do it well, for a full season. Who you know have done it in the past, but they're both on the wrong side of 35. Sure, but... And like Alex Nelson, Bregman, and you're betting Bregman on, hasn't even approached his prime. Yet. Sure, but you're betting on one half season. No, I'm betting where he was. I'm betting on a very talented guys. player who had a very good season and showed signs of becoming great in the second half. Yeah, I, I just I, like, I think as a rule, second half is overrated. This is where they have to get better at some point. This is where like, draft position changes my opinion because I I have Bregman as my number five shortstop. I think he's going to be very good. I think he would be an excellent breakout candidate, but you can't call him a breakout candidate if he's a six how is, pick in the how third is round. How is your number five shortstop not a top forty player? Where twenty ninth overall was where the discussion was. I know, but you guys, I was you guys were just now were taking exception to my thirty nine ranking. I didn't say anything about that. Okay, you said you'd rather have some of the players. Well, said, yes, that's true. He said you should have had him fortieth. <laughs> I have uh, Bregman fifty first. <laughs> I think that's first. more reasonable. Yeah, I don't know if you're getting them there. Twelve spots difference. Well, it's twenty-two spots. Twenty-ninth <laughs> might feel a little bit early, but you know, you're well, he also has twenty steel potential. I think you even said he has like twenty-five steel potential when you were pretending to like him at that spot, Chris. So that can't be completely overlooked here. Is like Abreu and Encarnacion, these guys are obviously not gonna do that. Uh Nelson sure, Cruz. but he also over 
you know, his 162 game pace for his career, 15 steals. I if, if stole he, 19 bases in, or he stole 20 bases in 146 games in the minors. It's easier to steal bases in the minors. Yeah. Let he me just stole, ask you this, Chris. Do you feel like Alex Bregman at age 23, we've, we've already seen the best version of Bregman we're going to see? No. So if you're acknowledging he's going to but get that, better, but, why is it not logical for him to but that, get better the year after he but showed? That, but that doesn't mean that the second half, the second look, look, I'm not historically. If you split seasons up into halves, they are less predictive of the future season than the previous season as a whole. So if you're now look, young players do trend upwards, but this wasn't a trending upwards. This why do you was Alex Bregman? him being a disaster. And then him turning into a superstar. That's not a trend. That's just kind of random. Why do, why do He's I? He's probably a low 800s OPS bat right now with the ability to improve moving forward. He was that doesn't eight, mean eight, he's definitely going to improve. He had. Brugnetto Door did not improve. <laughs> Sorry. He had an 858 OPS from May 1st on. So even if you just take away one month, we're not even talking second half. We're talking five months mm-hmm. of 858 OPS. Yeah. So, I mean, what, that's... What happened on April 30th? Chris, he had a bad month. I mean, this stuff happens all the he time. He had a bad month at the end, too, though. Yeah, a terrible month. Are you talking about the playoffs or are you talking about yeah. August? Yeah. Again, I, I don't think you can count the playoffs because... I just... I feel like we do we we do this really, really randomly. No, I'm, it's I remember not random. Last season, it, it's an not argument random. in favor of Kyle Schwarber was... Look how awesome he was in the playoffs. He barely played last year, and he came back, and he was really good in the playoffs. He had a terrible season, <laughs> but he, I don't, I don't like again. If he gets going to face that, the, that's all he played last. That's all we had to go on for sure for last. Well, year. no, but we had the and, previous and, and, season and, and where and not he was many just of okay. us on this podcast were arguing for Kyle Schwarber last. Right, year. I'm, but I'm talking about the fantasy community as a whole. Well, I I'm was talking about, like we I was. we distribute these arguments randomly. Of course we do. When they when they fit us. I don't Absolutely. think it's that random though. It's like he had a terrible month and then after that he had an 858 OPS for the whole season. And if you look at the entire season, he was the number 3 shortstop in yeah, points and number but he 4 wasn't in Roto. The number 29 player. Being a top 4 shortstop and stealing 17 bases in Roto isn't that far off from being a top 30 player. I think it's pretty far off. Uh-huh. I don't think positions matter that much. Uh all right. So that's Alex Bregman. Uh, let's do one more of these. I had six. We'll do four, and then we'll go to some rankings debates, and then we'll finish with some emails. Should we do Cindergard, Cano, or Sano? Cindergard. No, that's, let's do Cano or Sano, since we talked about <laughs> Cindergard last week. Uh, alright. Let's do Cano. Okay, Cano. Robbie Cano. So wait, who's the, who's the defense attorney? That would be Heath. Scott is prosecuting. Um, Robinson Cano was the eighth pick of round five, 56th overall. Cano is coming off a down season where he was the number eight second baseman in points, number 11 in Roto. The year before that, he was top four at second base with 39 home runs. 2017, he hit 23 home runs and 280. So Heath, make the case that Robinson Cano is going to make your team with the 56th overall pick. Scott will make the case that Cano will break your team. Break yourself. Go ahead, Heath. You know, we talk a lot about how we're going to move Alex Bregman up because he's shortstop eligible. Second base is pretty awful as well. In fact, at the top, second base is may actually be worse than shortstop is. And Cano, you just said it, his down year was the number eight second baseman in fantasy. The guy is so remarkable in terms of getting to that 650, 680 plate appearance 
mark each and every year. You've got that stability. And I do expect the power numbers to come back just a little bit. He's going to be in a great lineup, should have 100 RBI. The Babbitt will bounce back just a little bit as well. Okay, that's pretty good. You, you The defense rests. Scott, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually do have him 72nd, so much lower than he went in this draft. So these this, these are my legitimate thoughts. And um, we you you referred to 2017 as a down season for him. I think 2016 was an up season for him. You look at his four years in Seattle. The 23 home runs he hit last year was the second highest total in that four year span. So I don't know what happened to him in 2016, but that's the outlier. That's that's not how we should view Cano. That, that's not the Cano norm going forward. And considering he's now on the wrong side of 35, I think it's more likely to get worse than better from here. So uh, I, I don't think – yes, I agree second base is, is thin at the top. I don't think Cano fits at the top anymore. Judge Towers? Uh, I think Scott's correct here. I think Scott made the more persuasive argument. I don't think Heath's heart was in it. Um, and I, I just think – 2016 is absolutely the outlier for Robbie Cano over the last four seasons. He's been pretty good, but not great. Mm-hmm. All right. So does that, does anybody think that 56th overall middle of round five in a 12 team league is okay for Robinson Cano? I think it's too early. It's too early. Yep. Okay. I, I think if I'm going to, you know, be on Heath's defense team and make the case for him, I'm not even on my team. If he, <laughs> <laughs> I will take over. If he can stay healthy, I do think he can play well. But apparently Scott Service said he was playing hurt the second half of the season, and that always seems to be the case with Cano now, and he's 35 years old. But, I mean, if you get a season where he actually is healthy, I, pre-All-Star break he had an 8-13 OPS. It's not bad. 17 home runs for the All-Star break. Um, dropped down to 764 OPS after that. That would be my only case there. But. I, I'd be more likely to stump for him in a points league, I think. Yeah, that makes sense too. Let me see the second baseman that went after him. Uh, is Gene Segura second base eligible? No, right? Nope. No. Uh, then I think we have a, oh, Whit Merrifield went around later than him. Yeah. I, I do have Merrifield lower than Cano. So. Who do you have ahead of Cano? I have Al- Altuve, Jose Ramirez, Dan, uh, sorry, let me say that again. Altuve, Jose Ramirez, Brian Dozier, Daniel Murphy, Jonathan Scope. Those are the five I had ahead, have ahead of Cano. See, I only have four ahead of him, and the Scope not being one of them. So that's why, like, at 56 overall, maybe that's too high, but he was probably the fifth second baseman taken, and that's probably right. All righty. So that's uh, make or break. Now we'll do a segment that's very, very similar. <laughs> only these guys will not have to pretend to take stands. Um, it's a rankings debate. So, Chris, you get to sort of be the arbitrator again. And we'll talk about uh, some differences in Scott and Heath's rankings. Now, what I have on my paper here may not actually be correct, so you can correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. Um, so Heath has Evan Gaddis third overall at catcher. Scott has him tenth. Is that true, Scott? I have him sixth. In a points uh, league. Yes. Okay. So third for Heath is still very high. Who are the um, who are the catchers that you have ahead of Gaddis that Heath doesn't? Okay. So is this in a points league we're specifying? Yes. Uh, let me make sure I have those rankings open. Okay. So, oh, you know what? I actually have got a seventh. Oh, good. good. More good. interesting. Yes. All right. Gary Sanchez, Buster Posey, Wilson Contreras. Uh, I assume just Sanchez and Posey are ahead of Gattis. Sanchez and Posey are the only two I have. Okay, Posey so. and Sanchez, I should say. Wilson Contreras, Salvador Perez, JT Realmuto, and even Yadier Molina I have ahead of Gaddis. 
And a point. Javier Molina. All right. Yep. All right, Heath. Third Here, overall. Here's the thing, and I, I understand the idea of ranking Gaddis def- much lower in a points league because his playing time has been so sporadic over his career. I don't expect that to be an issue this year. The, the Astros are going to make Evan Gaddis their full-time DH. They don't really even want him catching very much. I expect him to be more of an emergency third catcher. That doesn't mean he plays every single day, but I expect him to get closer to his 2015 playing time than what we've seen each of the past two seasons. His injury risk is lower, not having to play in the field. And Gaddis, when he plays a full season, is about as good as it gets at catcher. There's a chance that he's the number one catcher this year. I don't, I really don't in, disagree. In 2015, he was the number two catcher. He hit 27 homers, drove in 88 runs that season. Um, and he actually has catcher eligibility this season, which he actually did not in 2015. Actually, he did have it in 2015. Looking back, he, he was catcher eligible then. So legitimately. Did he go the into the two, season? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Was it he 2016 did. he didn't? 2016, he didn't, but even in 2016, he gained it, yeah. uh, during the season. And he finished so. top five. He was fifth in points, fourth in roto, Evan Gaddis in 2016. Last year was, last year wasn't a great year. He batted 263 with 12 home runs in 300 at bats. If you had given him 400 at bats, then he would have been the number seven catcher in points leagues, and 400 at bats is, is a lot lower than what he's probably going to get. That would have ranked just tenth at the position. Uh, so Scott, uh, you only have Gaddis seventh. You got, Old man Yadier Molina ahead of him, mm-hmm. uh, along with Contreras. The, the only one I really take exception to Heath ranking uh, behind Gaddis is Wilson Contreras, who, um, okay. you know, I, I think I think proved himself to be borderline elite, if not for some injuries last year. Um, but Gaddis, like, I, I, in an ideal world, he does play every day for the Astros. I don't think he's actually going to be their everyday DH. I was looking at an article on the Houston Chronicle. This is from uh, mid-December, uh, where AJ Hinch was kind of laying out his plan for for how they they're they're going to approach the DH spot. And the way he puts it in here is, yes, Gaddis will be the primary DH. That's primarily where, where he'll be in the lineup, but. So that they can take advantage of Marwin Gonzalez's versatility, they're not just going to fix him in left field. They're going to move him around the diamond and use the DH spot to give their uh, their fielders days off from the field. So that sounds like a lot of time off for Gaddis. And yes, they don't want him catching that much. They'll probably have a true backup on the roster, and Gaddis will be more like a third catch-up. I'm sure he'll catch some, but I don't know that... Um, the playing time is going to be vastly improved for him. So, so the it, counterpoint to that would be they had all those guys. They had Evan Gaddis last year, and Carlos Beltran still got 509 plate appearances. If Evan Gaddis gets 509 plate appearances, he's probably a top five. Yeah, I don't think it, it 599 was it, is his high back in 2015. Is that right? I don't think he gets to that mark. I think the 509 is probably more realistic. I I love Contreras. I think Contreras is better than Evan Gaddis. I. He has a higher injury risk playing catcher. I worry that he's not going to get as many plate appearances as Evan Gaddis this year. All right, he, uh, Chris, who's it going to be, Wilson Contreras or Evan Gaddis? I am higher on Evan Gaddis uh, than Scott is. We had this conversation in the office the other day, I think. Oh, well, I wasn't there. Over, would you take him over Wilson Contreras? I'd rather have Wilson Contreras. <laughs> well, you, then, okay, so you guys didn't really. But I still win the argument because he has him fourth. And by the way, I should point out I do have Gaddis fifth. In uh, in Roto, okay. 
as All opposed right. to seventh. I have I have him ahead of Rio Muto and uh, Molina in that format. All right. This debate has gotten a little bit less sexy as it has gone on. The real <laughs> rankings debate, we've already done this one a few months ago, is Heath having Buster Posey over Gary Sanchez, which it's must crazy. come down to pure, just pure Yankees hate. I think that is the only... It's- it's crazy. Now, Sanchez <laughs> has to make up a lot of points in terms of walks and strikeouts. He loses like 180 points just in those two categories. Mm-hmm. Okay. It wasn't he better. Was he better in points per game last year, Scott? Gary Sanchez? Uh, I'm sorry. Was, was Sanchez Gary Sanchez versus, better than Posey? Oh yeah. It was a, Gary Sanchez was 3.38 points per game. Posey was 2.89. Big difference. Well, if we just wanted to rank everything based on last year, we wouldn't have jobs. He, uh, he, he managed to make up for those walks and strikeouts is what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. All right. So, uh, Scott, do you, yes or no, do you have Zach Cozart seventh at shortstop? Not anymore. Now he's more like 10th or 11th. I'm not sure exactly because, uh, uh because I uh, have amended it as I've done a top 600 and without going back and adjusting the position by position. So it's it's like 10th or 11th for Cozart. That's that's good enough. So 10th okay. or 11th, 10th and a half for Zach Cozart, who will now be the third baseman for the Angels. And Heath has him 16th. So I'll give the first word to uh, Scott here, since you're still higher on Zach Cozart, coming off a great, great season, 297, 24 home runs in only 122 games. You're higher on Cozart than Heath is. Yeah, and I wanted to have him seventh. It was me moving him down was one of those situations where just from doing a couple mock drafts, it is abundantly clear to me there's no way you have to draft him that high. But I, I think like I, I think he's a better hitter than Xander Bogarts. Um and I even though some of what he did last year was kind of out of nowhere. I mean, there was a steady. It's not power kind of up. out of nowhere. He's a seven sixteen career OPS. His strikeout rate. His strikeout rate has always been low. The walks and the power took a step forward last year, but in a way that, like, it's not like you can look at the bad ball tendencies and say, okay, he was obviously faking it here. Um, and I know we kind of had dealt with that. Um, we had that same situation with Aledmus Diaz last year, and, and he fell flat on his face, but. I feel like you're a you're not going to have to pay nearly as much for Cozart, so I'm I'm happy taking that gamble on him. Um, and B, that's still a situation I'm going to bet on nine times out of ten, just because it burned us with Diaz last year. So I feel comfortable uh, with Dia, uh, with with uh, uh, Cozart as my starting shortstop, and you know even even ranking him tenth or eleventh, that probably means like a fifteenth round pick. Yeah, I've got him 16th, and I would like to find some other shortstops that I could put ahead of him. I don't want him to be my starting middle infielder in a roto league. Coming into last year, he had a 672 career OPS. That's an OPS plus of 82. He was never a good offensive player. He would have a month or two here or there. He's 32 years old. He just had his career year, and he's going from Cincinnati, which is a great hitter's park, to Los Angeles, which is a bad or Anaheim or Orange County or wherever they're Los Angeles of Anaheim. Of Orange County. Right. Um, it's, which is a, a big downgrade. Yes. And I'm afraid, and I, I haven't seen their lineup yet, but where do we think Zach Cozart's going to hit in this lineup with all of these good hitters? I don't know. And if that's not all enough, He's not even played 147 games since 2014. Okay. Uh, he His home road splits, just looking at them now, yeah, I mean. 
The, a better average at home. Better average. Uh, the power is not more, that actually much more power on well more home runs on the road. All right, so that the the thing about that is if you hit in a better hitter's park and you don't seem to if, if and your numbers in that hitter's park aren't substantially better, you still benefit from that hitter's park. So whether your numbers are better or not, he's going from a park that was the best in baseball for right-handed home runs to one that ranks 24th in park factors for right-handed home runs. Um, I, I'll split the difference. I don't think he's nearly as good as he was last year. I don't think there's any real reason to think he will be. Um, the hard hit rate was pretty much identical to the year before. His exit velocity was actually only 86 miles an hour, which is below average. He benefited a lot from the park he played in. However, the previous two seasons, he was more like a mid-700s OPS bat, and that can play at shortstop. I just think it's more as a middle infielder than as a starting shortstop. So I I just want to point this part out, um, because I don't think he'll be as good as last year either, but you need to know just how good he was last year. The only three, there, there were only three shortstops who averaged more fantasy points per game than Cozart last year, and they were Correa, Trey Turner, and Francisco Lindor. Cozart averaged more than Corey Seager. He averaged more than Elvis Andrews. He was a stud, uh, last year, and I don't think he'll be a stud again, but if there's any legitimacy to what he did last year at that position, I'm taking the chance on him. For as late as I can do it. I haven't actually gotten the opportunity yet because my infield spots have all been full by the time that point of the draft came. But he it he seems like a it seems like a really good gamble to take for I'm, where he's going. I'm fine taking that gamble as I as I, a middle infielder. Mm-hmm. Which I think is what happened in the Roto draft we did. I'll take a look at Tobin's team. But Tobin took Zach Cozart in the fourteenth round, and that was no, he's he's a shortstop. His middle infielder scooter Jeanette. Okay, so but 14th round, so still you know getting getting pretty late there in a 12-team league. Let's do a couple pitchers here. Uh, we haven't talked about any pitchers yet today. Heath has Jose Barrios 24th. Scott, you do not have Barrios even close to that, right? Or eh, not that far from 24th. Uh, you have him 24th, Heath. Yep, I have him 38th. Okay, so Barrios 24th for Heath. Scott's got him 38th. Chris, why don't you take the first word on Barrios? Is he closer to 24th or 38th? Well, we talked about this in the last podcast, and yeah, I'm just, I'm not sold on Jose Barrios being a very good pitcher. I think the stuff is just okay. Uh, the swinging strike rate is just average. Look, the stuff the, looks better than this. The stuff. slider. Yes. <laughs> the looks stuff is really good. good. There are a lot of gifs of this slider. <laughs> I, and th- this is kind of a, an esoteric thing, and I'm not sure that you guys will agree, but I think his slider has too much break. It breaks too early. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Like, I, I think he kind of telegraphs it. Okay. Like, pit batters can see. I think a better slider is one that breaks late and tight versus a big Like the Warden slider. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I think it's Well, a, we gotta, we'd like to protect his elbow, though. It's kind of a big, loopy... <laughs> Just like the Warden slider. It doesn't have to be the Warden slider. It, I guess it's technically a curveball. Either way, the point, it, it has a lot of lateral movement, and I just... I'm not totally impressed by it, and the, the numbers back that up. All right. So, Heath, Scott, get on in there. Uh, you're talking about a 24-year-old starting pitcher who 
was one of the best pitching prospects in baseball who just looked like he kind of started to figure it out last year. And I'm, I'm completely throwing out what happened to him in those 14 starts in 2016. Maybe that's not fair, but, uh, he was absolutely dominant in AAA each of the last two years. And I would expect him to continue to get better. I think the twins are going to be a pretty good team. They are the second best team in their division and maybe the, the best. So I think the wins opportunity will be there. Between AAA and the majors, he threw 185 innings last year, so I don't have any innings concerns at all. Mm-hmm. I just I, – I don't know what's not to like. You know, I, I think I, – it sounds like if Chris had rankings this year, he might even rank them lower than I had, uh, Barrios 38th. But I, to, to kind of reinforce what Chris was saying, um, Barrios came out of the minors last year and looked like a world beater. Mm-hmm. He had like an eight-start stretch, 267 ERA, and then it seemed like the league kind of adjusted to him because over the last three months, ERA over four. And more concerning to me is, and and this might have to do with the, the breaking ball, even though Barrios had a respectable strikeout rate over eight per nine, his swinging strike rate was a below average rate. Like it, it doesn't seem like he was deceiving hitters, even to the extent that he was striking them out. So... I don't really know. Like, I, I see the minor league numbers. You know I like pedigree. I, I think Barrios could be a really good major league pitcher. But I don't think he was a really good pitcher last year. He was fine. He he showed some progress and looked like he could be fine. Yeah. Um, I've baked in some upside into my ranking, I feel like, by ranking him 38th. Uh, but I, I don't think he was the 38th best pitcher uh, from the time he arrived in the majors last year. I um I don't disagree that there is some upside, but he's been a lot more bad than good in the majors. I don't I don't think we should just throw out 2016. I don't think it's representative necessarily, but it is relevant. Like we're talking about 40% of his career starts. It's only like 30% of his innings because he was so bad. Sure. Um, he also has uh, some real platoon issues. Um. And I think that's actually tied. The curveball has a decent swinging strike rate. His four-seam fastball actually has a pretty good swinging strike rate. His changeup basically never gets swinging strikes. And he has a 1.57 strikeout-to-walk ratio against lefties. Now, you can develop that. That is something – the third pitch is something that you would think a young pitcher gets better with. But there's no guarantee of that. And I think ranking him 24th is paying for the upside. I think the upside is a top-10 starting pitcher this year. Mm. Well, I did want to get to more, but we have plenty of podcasts. In fact, we have two a week going forward, and then eventually three a week, four a week, five a week. Uh, during the season, we'll probably do about 18 episodes a, a week. week, at least three a day. <laughs> uh, and um, also, we have a new DFS podcast called the Sportsline DFS Podcast. Sportsline DFS Podcast. It is brand new. We launched it yesterday, and you're going to hear me, Heath, Chris, and Mike McClure on that one, different combinations, different days. Uh, just looking at the lineups now, went one and one. Did not win the FanDuel 50-50, but I did win the DraftKings 50-50. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to give lineups, but with the disclaimer that you need to be checking the news before lineups lock because things change. But anyway, if you play DFS, you're going to enjoy the show. It's fun. Uh, we're going to have more fun than the other DFS podcasts. Let's just put it that way. And hopefully we'll win you some money. No, we will win you some money. I can guarantee that because if we don't, there's nothing you can do. Like you can't sue me or anything. 
so there you go. I guarantee it. Uh, so we have more fantasy baseball podcasts coming up. Um, later this week we'll have another one. We'll do more rankings disputes. For now, let's read some emails. Fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. From Baldhead B in a Midwest city. Okay. Yeah. Interesting okay. name. Dayton. Interesting city. Dayton, Ohio. Sure. I, I have a feeling this guy doesn't want to be identified. This this man or woman doesn't want to be identified. Baldhead, I would hope this is a man. Uh, he, he, he says, dear crazy, lazy, busy, and wish. Oh. That is bone thugs yeah, and harmony. Sure is. I live near a place called Croton Harmon, and I always call it Bone Thugs and Croton Harmony. Isn't that funny? Uh, sure. So I thought you lived in Sleepy Hollow. I near Croton Harmon, near Croton. Okay. Harmon. Yeah, I do live in Sleepy Hollow. Uh, all right. So he did a Fab League for football, and he loved it. Now he's wondering his league is expanding from ten to twelve teams. Head-to-head points. Can he use Fab? What do you think of Fab in baseball? Is the season too long to manage it? If not, what is a good fab dollar amount? Is there a best way, best day for waivers if we do fab? As you can see, I've been struggling with this. Any help would be greatly appreciated. P.S. Coconut thin Oreos with 2% milk is where it's at. I like all milk. Like real milk. Whole milk? Whole milk. I don't like milk. Whole milk? Are you a cow? Who drinks um, whole milk? I, I would like to get all of the milk. I don't want 2% of the milk. We talked about I, I don't milk. know why I want 98% water. <laughs> we talked about milk a couple weeks ago, and Chris used to be a whole milker, but he's uh, he's converted. Yeah, we're doing 2%. I'm just like, milk's fine. I eat it in cereal, and that's bad. Pro tip, dad tip, if you would like to have 2% milk, buy whole milk, pour it half of it in a glass, fill the rest up with water, and you've got 2% milk. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> I don't think so either. Yeah, that, yeah I'm not a milkologist. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, nice try. Fab for uh, for baseball? Yeah, we do fab for baseball all the time. I don't. It doesn't have to be any different. We we actually usually do a hundred, just like in football, and people adjust. They they learn to conserve their dollars appropriately. Um, but I've seen people use a thousand. Yes, that's that's where it's at in my. Yeah, opinion. I mean, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> it literally doesn't. Like I've had this discussion with people in my fantasy football league where they're like, we should increase the fab budget or we should increase the auction budget to start the season. It doesn't matter. Like everybody right. has the same it amount of money. It does matter it in baseball. It matters. There are 26 periods. Like if you find yourself thinking, I don't want to invest a full dollar in this guy. I wish I could do 50 cents. Then you should probably increase your budget, I guess. But like I, I've never really found myself in that um, position personally. I, as far as for what day it is, I, I think a Sunday night run. Going into the lineup block Monday, I mean, assume, assuming it's a weekly lineup league, I think that makes the most sense. And I do prefer that as opposed to the daily no. running oh, of fab because no. not many fab dollars are being spent if it's a daily run because no, I don't agree. You, you're trusting every league to check every day and that I, everybody in the league to check every day. And that's definitely happen. like the daily fab. Daily, yeah, yeah. And you need, if you're going like to do there's too many zero dollar bids that way. Well, if you're going to, that's fine. So that then that's kind of like waivers. But if you're going to do a hundred dollars and daily fab, you need to allow zero dollar bids. Then yes. it'll then it'll go quickly if you don't do that in your fab budget, because um, you're gonna make you're gonna make a lot of transactions, so you need zero dollar bids. Uh, all right, thank you, Baldhead B from Dayton, Ohio. This is Robert from Colorado Springs. Five by five roto league. It's categories though. It's head to head categories. Six keepers each season. He says I have totes with keeping four starting pitchers. I don't know what that means. Is that a new slang? <laughs> I have totes with. I'm assuming it's totally, but I the 
Yeah, but the still, syntax is all wrong. Right, it doesn't make sense. Is that too many pitchers to keep with hitting seemingly easier to get? Uh, so basically he's thinking about keeping four starting pitchers. Here are his potential keepers. Scherzer, Bumgarner, Verlander, Keuchel, Altuve, who he's definitely keeping, Eben Encarnacion, and Starling Marte. So I guess he needs to keep five out of six with Altuve being kept. So five out of, uh, I would, wait, no, I'm ass- sorry. Yeah, five. Go ahead. I would assume you guys all have or both have Edwin Encarnacion ranked higher than Dallas Keuchel? Yes. Yes. Um, but it, it sounds like he's just tossing one of these players back, right? There's yes. seven names here and he's keeping six. Mm-hmm. I think Starling Marte would be who I – well, you know what? Five by five league, maybe not. Maybe not. I really, I really like the idea of you're not starting with your team. Starling Marte is not your second best hitter. But yeah. Altuve and Marte – yeah, a lot of steals. And a lot That's of average. a lot of steals and a lot of average. That makes it so that you can kind of not worry. Like, obviously, you still have to worry about batting average, but steals. Those two guys are going to steal 75 bases. Mm-hmm. You might, you know, that's a D Gordon away from a third-place finish in fantasy. This is something Instant. we're going to talk about a lot probably during draft prep. The stolen bases and batting average are two of the hardest categories to fill, especially late. If you try and get – a batting average or steal specialist late, you're basically sacrificing every other category. So it's nice when you can get your steals filled with guys who help at other things like Altuve and Marte do. So okay, who is the other one who has to go here in a roto league? Yeah. If it was points, oh, maybe Keuchel. maybe it'd be Marte, but Keuchel in a, in a roto league All is right. out. Cool. Kevin and Columbus. Uh, in a 15 team, I'm in a 15 team league that distinguishes between right field, center field, and left field. My sense is that this does funky things to calculating replacement level slash depth at each position. Center field always seems deeper than the others, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Center field is deeper than the others. You're right. I would say don't overthink it. Um, a, a guiding philosophy I'm going to have this season is to not worry too much about positional depth. I just, I don't think. But that's, that's with like, no it, it matters at the top and it matters at the bottom, but I think in the middle, for most positions, there's not that big of a difference. It's, and it's I think definitely it's really, not as bad as it used yeah. to be. And it's, that actually kind of started last year. It's really easy to overpay for Corey Seager this season. If you think that shortstop is that desperate to fill, and I just don't think you need to. Or Alex Bregman, I guess, in that case. Uh, but, I mean, that, I agree. I mean, that's definitely a good case to go best player available. But it does change things when it's right field, center field, left field, instead of just outfield. Yeah, I want to say left field is weak. Um, center field is strong, left field is weak, right field is probably right in the middle, but I, I haven't extensively studied this. And there's probably a lot of multi-eligible guys. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, probably. Like you think Christian Yelich will probably get center field eligibility this season. Uh, Marcelo Zuna might have both. So there's, there's a lot of ways you can go with it. Alright, Bill from Atlanta, would you trade Contreras, Schwarber, and Hayward? Contreras, Schwarber for Hayward. And Hay- and Hayward, sorry. Contreras, <laughs> Schwarber, and Hayward. So uh, the, all the Cubs. For Kershaw, Wilson Ramos, and Michael Givens in a 24-team keeper league. Deep league question. Uh, it'd have to be a league that deep for Hayward to have any trade value. So, so that's, that was kind of the tip-off. Um, did you say Hayward or Schwarber? Hayward. Oh. 
Oh, stop it. Contreras. <laughs> All right, so it's I, 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 I still think you got to get Kershaw, right? Oh, yeah. Like, I'm going I'm going to get Kershaw. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Kershaw puts you so far ahead of the competition in a 24-team league. And I'm yeah. not sure like I think, I expect Wilson Ramos to bounce back this year. Yeah, yeah, he'll be he's probably the third best player in this deal. Kershaw, Contreras, and then Wilson Ramos. Obviously a distant third, but the third best. This is from Garrett. Severino or Bumgarner? Who do you think will be better next year? Would you trade Bumgarner for Severino in a keeper league straight up? I, I don't see any point to make this trade. That's fair. Um, a long-term keeper, like if I'm thinking multiple years down the road, I like it. But if I expect Bumgarner to be better this year, and if I'm trying to win this year, I'd rather have Bumgarner. You know what's funny is – I, I, my immediate reaction was to say, yes, yeah, straight for Severino, 23-year-old, you know, just looks like he emerges an ace last year. Bumgarner's only 28. We kind of forget, <laughs> like, he got started so young. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, I do rank Severino ahead of Bumgarner, but by, like, two spots yeah. among starting pitchers. Um, it, like, obviously, if you'd be keeping Severino for cheaper, then you'd be keeping Bumgarner, which seems plausible if that's the, if that's the keeper structure. Then yeah, you, you definitely trade Bumgarner for Severino. But if you're keeping them on equal terms, it's just like... All other things being equal, I think they're pretty equal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Chris from West Palm. It's in a 10-team head-to-head points league. Three keepers, one hitter, one pitcher, and one round 15 or later. I will be keeping Trey Turner. I will be keeping Chris Sale. Who is my round 15 or later keeper? Cody Bellinger? Oh, this is JD. This is JD, not Chris. Sorry. JD from the spring training home of the Cubs. Is that surprise there? Daytona? No. Is that, no. Is it surprise? It would be to surprise me. Surprise where the Royals and Rangers are. Oh, okay. Well, they're in Arizona. I, so yeah, you were, you were confusing me. The name of that town had me confused at what you were asking us. There is a surprise Arizona. Yes, All right, there. JD, JD surprise. wants to know who he's keeping. Bellinger or Severino? Um, he's keeping Bellinger, I guess. Points league? I mean, they're so close to me. For me, they're so close. <laughs> they're right in the, they're in the studio next to Scott. <laughs> you gotta ask them. Uh, they're, they're both third rounders for me, so it's like, again, like, I understand why you're asking us, it's a hard decision, but you kinda just have to go with personal preference. I think I'd go Bellinger. I'd neither, go Severino. Neither one is particularly safe based on track record, uh, so there's no tiebreaker there on like Bumgarner. Um, I'll go Severino, it's just a little harder to find that. Alright, now here's Chris from West Palm. He says, hey Manny, Chris, John, and Tim. Are Manny, they? Chris, John, and Tim. I always think Manny Ramirez, but uh-huh. that is, is that? this the Baltimore Orioles infield? Manny Machado and Chris Davis. Chris, Chris Davis. Davis. Tim Beckham. Jonathan, Jonathan Scope. Who's John? Scope. John. Scope. Scope. Oh, there you go. Nice. If you put Jonathan, come on, call, who calls him John? <laughs> I have a feeling Get out we're of wrong. Here. Chris from West Palm. Chris from West Palm does. <laughs> All right, he plays in a four-player keeper league. Keepers have three-year contracts and count as picks one through four in, you know, rounds one through four. Assuming that uh, Robert Acuna is not kept. Ronald. Ronald. I knew it sounded Mm -hmm. wrong coming coming off the tongue. Um, Ronald Acuna is not kept. How early is too early to pick Acuna? I was thinking of even grabbing him in round five, six, or seven, eight, 
due to long-term upside. I believe he has trout-level potential. Being that I was the champ, I will more than likely have a pick on the turn. So in a keeper league with three-year contracts, when would you take Acuna? I think people usually, especially in this type of league, overvalue the future. And so I would not take him probably until 9-10. Yeah, um, I I, th- I think I agree with that. It, it's just the keeper incentive isn't quite – there isn't quite enough of a long-term incentive in this league since it's just a three-year commitment and you're, you're – you know, it would be one of your first four picks for those three years. Like, he's only 20, so, you know, it might take him till 25 to, to really be a high-end fantasy performer, assuming he ever is. Does he technically have trout level potential? Potential? Maybe he does, but like the the potential of that specific outcome is so minute, and there's so many others. You know, he could be a fine player. He could be a first rounder someday, and not anywhere close to trout. But it's just no telling when that's going to happen, if it does. And like you're giving up a lot of proven players who are still young uh, by committing to him that way. What's more likely, Bryce Harper's career or Mike Trout's career? Well, Harper's career because it hasn't been as good. Harper, but, I mean, Harper, even, wasn't, even that would still be a great outcome, right? But Harper wasn't worth a first round pick until his fourth season. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point. So, would you take in a keeper league like this? Would you take Acuna or Yelich? I would uh, take Yelich. Yep. Yeah, it depends how long the the tail is on the keeper, but there's a decent chance Acuna is just Christian Yelich. Like, I think he'll be better than that, but that's a realistic possibility. But you would expect Yelich to be better this year. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Cool. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Good stuff. We're back later in the week. We're looking at Thursday. We'll do some more rankings disputes, talk fantasy baseball. Maybe we'll get a freaking signing, something going on in the the hot stove. Um, Yeah. Nervous Solarte? That wasn't big news? (laughs) Not quite. Not quite. We're, you know, just just below J.D. Martinez level. For Scott, for Heath, for Chris, I'm Adam. Talk to you Thursday.